Greetings and welcome to Vedic Mythology, Music, and Mantras. I'm Ben Collins. This week we continue our series on Subramanyam, the son of Shiva and Parvati, as told in the collection of stories called the Sri Kanda Puranam, which was written by Kachapashivacharya. Last time we saw that the birth of Subramanyam happened in order to rid the universe of a demon who could only be killed by a son of Shiva. It was a tricky thing to get Shiva interested in getting married because he was quite the ascetic, and Manmanta, the Vedic Cupid, lost his life in the process. Although it was later restored, however, he was forever to be invisible. In the end, Shiva found Parvati to be both determined and irresistible, so the great wedding took place in the Himalayas. Soon afterwards, Shiva, who was busy enjoying his new marital status, forgot about the importance of having a child until all the gods appealed to him for help. Well, Shiva appeared to the gods in his six-faced form, and from each of the faces a hot spark came forth, which ultimately combined to make a six-faced, twelve-handed deity standing in Saravana Lake. But as the sparks were emitted, Parvati became afraid. Shiva was too hot, and all these sparks flying about made her afraid, and she ran away to hide. As she ran, her anklets hit one against the other and broke. But the sound was very sweet, and the result was that nine gems tumbled out of her anklets. Lord Shiva saw what was happening, and he picked up each of the gems and noticed that deep inside he could see an image of Parvati. As he gazed at her image, nine shaktis, goddesses, in the image of Parvati, were immediately born in the form of young women. As they were born, they immediately looked upon Shiva with great love and awe. They wanted to bear his child, and indeed, Shiva could not refuse, and all of them immediately became pregnant. But Shiva had made something of a miscalculation. When Parvati returned and sat down to Shiva, she was at first relieved to see him in his more usual, calm, single-faced form. But her calm soon turned to rage as she realized that the sparks that had scared her so much had taken the form of a son. She had felt that she'd now lost the opportunity to bear her first child, and she was furious with Shiva. After realizing that all this had happened at the insistence of the devas, she cursed them too, saying that they would not be able to bear a child with their wives. Then, as if this weren't enough, when she saw the nine shaktis, who looked just like her and happened to be pregnant with Shiva's child, she was livid. While she couldn't undo what had been done, she cursed them to be pregnant, unable to deliver their babies for a very, very long time. And when a goddess like Parvati says a very long time, it can mean pretty close to an eternity. Hearing this, the shaktis started to sweat and sweat some more. And of course, the life of the gods is pretty magical, so as soon as the sweat touched the ground, each drop turned into a multitude of fierce warriors, totaling a hundred thousand. Well, all of these warriors worshipped Shiva, who was understandably pleased, and he assigned them to be Subramanyam's warriors, who would later on flight, fight the Asuras. In the meantime, the nine Shaktis were doing all sorts of things for Parvati, trying to get on her good side, 
by running errands and attending to her every need. But they were steadily becoming more and more pregnant, their bellies swelling with each passing hour. Apparently, for reasons that aren't explained in the book, these nine Shaktis belonged to the clan of Nandi, Shiva's bull, and for that reason the children in their bellies started to take the form of Nandi. So you can imagine what it must have been like to carry a growing bull inside their wombs, and soon they were all rolling on the floor in pain. Well, Shiva spoke nicely to Parvati, and she agreed to withdraw her curse, allowing the Shaktis to deliver their babies and the gods to have children. And just like Brahma, who emerged from the belly of Vishnu fully formed, so too these children of the Shaktis emerged fully grown and clothed in golden silk. They were welcomed by both Shiva and Parvati and went on to become great generals in the service of Subramanyam and his army. Well, soon Shiva wanted to return to Mount Kailas in the Himalayas, and so he and Parvati went to find their new son, where he was staying at Saravana Lake. As you'll recall, he was being cared for by the six Kritika girls, and as they reached the lake, each girl brought forth the little boy that she'd been caring for. And as they approached Shiva and Parvati, the young boys merged into one child with six faces and twelve hands. He was called Saravana Bhavam which means he who came from Saravana Lake. The little boy sat with his parents. He sat on one of Shiva's knees while his mother Parvati sat on the other. And this form of the family is called Soma Skandamurtam. So off they go to the mountains where Subramanyam enjoys a great childhood of mischief and fun. Shiva tells Parvati that Subramanyam has been born from the sparks of my eyes, so he will be as powerful as I am. And then Shiva goes on to say something very interesting. Shiva's main mantra is called the Panchakshara mantra, the mantra of five syllables, Na, Ma, Shi, Va, Ya, Nama, Shivaya. And he says that it is combined with the Taraka mantra, Om, to make a six-syllable mantra for Subramanyam. Om, Sa, Ra, Va, Na, Ba, Va. Om, Saravana, Bhava. Now, a lot of the Vedic tradition is based on some very simple principles. First of all, of course, that the divine exists. And secondly, that it's there all the time in subtle form. And to become aware of it, all we need to do is to refine our awareness through practices like meditation, mantra japa, puja, and yagya. The tradition provides a multitude of avenues for the growth of spiritual awareness, and each individual is encouraged to select that which appeals to him. Now in this particular teaching, Shiva is saying that just as Om Namah Shivaya is the essential mantra for Shiva, Om Saravana Bhava is the essential mantra for Subramanyam. At the same time, he reinforces the Vedic ideal that all forms of the divine are essentially equal by saying Saravana Bhava or Subramanyam is equal to him, Shiva. And one more point, because this is one of my favorite topics. Are these mantras big and complex, taking special training or secret initiation in order to learn them or to use them? No. The knowledge is right there for the using. What happens when we say Om Namah Shivaya or Saravana Bhava? On one level, we are making that sound, which means I honor Shiva or Saravana Bhava. Consciousness is being exposed. Entra power brings awareness is projected. 
more and more when you're ahead of, for example, Ravana, the great, knowledgeable, wealthy, powerful Ashura who caused all the trouble in the Ramayana. On the other hand, <clears throat> if the development of awareness is in an inner direction, then you become a spiritual being, ultimately a yogi or a rishi. The interesting thing about all these stories gain these boons using the saints, not restricted by the divine. So once again we see the Vedic emphasis on self-determination and the individual's responsibility for creating their own destiny, divine or otherwise. So back to our story. As a child, Subramanyam sounds like quite a handful. He would make himself invisible and move the mountains around. He'd make the seven seas flow together and the Ganges stop flowing altogether. Well, the Asuras, the demons, got very worried because they knew that all these events were beyond the ability of any of the usual devas that they would do battle with, and whatever source of power this was, it did not bode well for them. But the devas were concerned as well. They too had not seen this kind of power and wanted to know it was coming from to see what he knew. Find the source of these events, and they saw a small boy sitting on the top of Mount Meru. They thought this might be him, so Indra mounted his elephant and started shooting arrows at the young boy, but they fell all around him as flowers. Still Indra and the gods did not recognize the boy as being the son of Shiva, and Indra mounted another attack, shooting more out to fall down on the ground as well, and the devas were deeply afraid. Varuna, the god of water, Yama, the god of the underworld, Chandra the moon, Agni the lord of fire, and Vayu, the god of wind, all took up their weapons and fired, but to no avail. Subramanyam shot five arrows, and each of the five fell down. All the remaining gods fled in panic. The Rishi Narada saw what was going on and went to Brihaspati, the guru of the devas, and told him what had happened. Brihaspati, who was a rather gentle soul, in turn went to Subramanyam and very politely begged him to stop punishing the gods for not recognizing Please restore them. The gods came to Sajayas. Subramanyam told that he would take care of them. For fun, he did assume his true vocally begged him to take a more pleasing form and returned to his form a young man. More thing as to return Indra and the others to life. The universe really does need to function properly. And so to Krishna Shurjana, huge scary form. And there's a say in what it does in to impress her through nature. But in both cases, the reverse Wizard of Oz, nice in front, prepared. And so one final story that's a little amusing. Vishi Narada, always a bit of a jerk who instigates us, he gets caught in his himself. As in days, a Yagya included the sacrifice of a goat. Day Narada was forming a Yashiva. Sudden, out of the fire sprang a goat, and it instantly grew to a huge, fierce size. Everyone was afraid, running around while the goat chased them, as if to extract revenge for the offering of goats in Yagyas. Well, the goat was jumping everywhere and pretty much destroyed the earth and had gone to Brahma's world and had started causing, causing havoc there as well. All the devas got together and sought out Subramanyam and pleaded for his help and protection. Well, Subramanyam appointed Virabhahu, one of the sons of the Shaktis that came from Parvati's anklets at the beginning of the podcast, to go and take the goat by the horns and bring him to Subramanyam. Virabahu did that, and he brought the goat to Subramanyam, and the devas asked that 
the goat not be punished, but that, you know, you really couldn't let it loose either. So Subramanyam pacified the goat and used him to ride around on. And the story is interesting because in every temple I've ever visited, Subramanyam is, is shown riding on a peacock, which is the end result of a different story, although much the same theme, and I've never seen him ride a goat. Secondly, these stories in which the deity t tames an animal exist for most of the gods. Ganesha rides a mouse, Shiva rides a bull, Durga rides a lion. From a larger or mythological perspective, it is interesting symbology in which the animal represents the virtually impossible to control, unruly desire nature of the senses, and the deity is what's required to bring them under control. So that's all for this week. Now in the next podcast in this series, Vishnu gets two daughters, Subramanian's army marches and battles the demon Tarakan, there are some amusing side stories of Shiva, Parvati, and the sage Brigu. Vishnu and Brahma get into an argument, and the story of the birth of the Asuras, or demons. For chanting this week, I have first the Sri Devi Navaratna Malika. Remember the nine gems that sprang from the ankles of Parvati? Well, nine is Nava, and gem is Ratna in Sanskrit. And this sloka is about Parvati as the goddess of music, in which form she was referred to as Shamala. And we'll follow that with the Saraswati Stotram, since she is also the goddess of music and is always shown playing the Veena. And as Yagnavalkya Rishi, the author of the Dharma Shastra, says, if we immerse ourselves in divine music and become totally absorbed in it, we can easily experience God. And that will be all for this week. So thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Sarakana Sarachar Unava Nagavalli Rasava 
ಶೇಖರೀ ಕೃತ ಪದಾಂಬುಜ ಕಾರಣಾಧಿಪತಿ ಪಂಚಕ ಪ್ರಕೃತಿ ಕಾರಣ ಪ್ರಥಮ ಮಾತೃಕ ವಾರಣಾಂತ ಮುಖ ಪಾರಣ ಮನಸಿ ಭಾವಯಾಮಿ ಮುಕ್ತಿ ಫಲದ ಅಭೀಷ್ಟ 